Welcome. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer who is experiencing a very strange day. I do recall that last week when I, you know, pointed out the fact that Mercury, our friend, (laughs) um, was going to be doing its second retrograde period. But because nothing was really kind of lining up with said Mercury, I kind of figured that a lot of people might not notice it. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I uh, was supposed to um, do a, um, oh, what do you call them, a messenger FaceTime with my sister whose birthday was yesterday. And her daughter's car, she went out to, because uh, my sister is elderly, and so she doesn't have a fancy phone. And so her daughter takes the phone to her so that we could do FaceTime. She gets out to her car, and lo and behold, it's deader than a doornail and it's one of of course our new cars which requires um, doesn't require a key and so it hadn't even locked itself so she wasn't even sure if it had she'd left it running and it ran out of gas anyway so right after I talked to my niece I get a message also on messenger from a dear friend who is supporting me in my efforts with this radio show. And she pointed out that my written stuff and the charts that I posted for today, that the significant one was wrong. Now, I spend typically Fridays writing this show, you know, so that I have my ducks in a row. I really like having ducks in a row. I do have moon in Capricorn. Well, one of the ducks had obviously flown the coop because basically what I wrote yesterday was kind of ah, out the window. And so I get this message at, what time was it? Oh, probably about quarter after nine this morning. And, you know, various scenarios of panic and disbelief and and that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach we're all familiar with that anyway what i'm realizing is that yeah i was sort of overlooking the fact that mercury retrograde in cancer hmm that's in one of my angles and the angles of your chart are the first house the second house the seventh and the tenth And typically, when planets are moving through your angles, they can create effects. And especially if they hit the actual degrees of the ascendant or the IC, the idiom column, I forget, it's a weird word. Anyway, it's the very bottom of the chart, opposite the very top of the chart, which is the MC and the seventh house cusp. So... Mine's at 11. The station retrograde Mercury was at 14. Obviously close enough. So what you will experience today, hopefully, as I literally do most of this off the cuff, will be reasonably 
logical and anyway i am going to do my best okay so where i had planned on starting for today was about the big movements that are coming on right now okay so on the heels of that saturn pluto conjunction in january that was pulling in a solar eclipse as well and that of course was in capricorn makes me wonder if today is pulling on similar dynamics because today is significant um, what we're looking at right now sort of in the global big picture is systemic racism the social contract we have with policing together with the pandemic oh and let us not forget the climate crisis now today's big movements are opposite where saturn and pluto and the eclipse in january were occurring and as i mentioned last week there is an eclipse today right after the sun ingresses into cancer so obviously today will be a pivot date in those scenarios now with an eclipse the other thing to keep in mind is it will set conditions for upwards of six months and so some of what runs through my mind is uh, the hope that what has been brought forward gets seeded today because it is a new moon and that those seeds will bear fruit in terms of real changes in things like how we address systemic racism, how we make a new contract with our policing services, et cetera, and how we're dealing with things like pandemics, which are probably not gonna go away anytime soon, um, just due to the fact that we travel so easily, uh, which just gives permission for all these nasties to travel along with us. So we need to have procedures, et cetera, et cetera, in place so that we can resume life in some form that's better, I'm hoping, because a lot of us are suffering from social neglect. Okay. Um, let's see now. Okay, so the picture today also shows Mars with Neptune. Uh, no clarity, uh, and, uh, and this dynamic is connected to slow relationship review of that Venus retrograde, because she's still retrograde, although she's very soon going to stop. Um, and I'll be speaking to that in a little while. Um, I believe that we do need to rewrite, and of course, Mercury retrograde helps us to do that. It wants us to go back through and look at things. And obviously, those issues that I've already mentioned are the ones that we should be doing that. Okay, the Saturn bubble and distance, that is shifting. And we're just about to the end of the month. And at that point in time, there are two very significant things that will be happening. But one of them is Saturn will have backed up into Capricorn. And uh, one of the conditions of the Hellenistic point of view is that planetary ingresses in and out of signs also have an impact to that particular area of your chart even if there are no planets at that particular degree, so at zero degrees of whatever sign the planet's moving into, 
or in this case with Saturn because he is going to back up into Capricorn even if you don't have any planets at 29 degrees of Capricorn if the last two years have been intense with dealing with reality and workloads and um, your position out in community etc etc that is coming back for one final review um, Saturn will be in Capricorn backing up. It doesn't get to Pluto, gets close, um, until December, in which it will then station, go direct, and uh, move into Aquarius, not to see Capricorn again for another 28 to 29 years. And so that Capricorn piece, and I see that as you know, everybody's desperate desire to return to the normal prior to the pandemic. But yeah, that's not really going to happen. There'll be something. It'll be similar. And of course, coming up today will be the Uranus point and the escalation of deforestation. Um, so there's a lot that rides on what shifts going forward from today and I believe the moment needs to be seized. Okay now the next thing that I'm going to comment on is a new toy in my toolbox and it is called Fixed Stars. Now just to set the picture here why would an astrologer look at fixed stars um, as in they're fixed they don't move so they must be in the same place in your chart all the time. Yeah, not so much. So if you think back, you know, 2,000 years ago to the Hellenistic period, uh, when the folks would go out every night, I suspect they did in every type of, you know, like when it was clear uh, to check on their calculations versus where the actual planets could be seen out there in the sky, they would notice that certain fixed stars, yep, it's always that far apart from that other star, but it would disappear and reappear over the horizon. And when it, for instance, when it rose above the horizon, um, that whole pantheon of stars would move up in the sky, pause, and then return back down beneath the earth. And so their view of the night sky didn't just include the elliptic and that is that band that the wanderers which is what they called our planets that it travels within it's a fairly narrow band given the entire scope of the night sky and so they did keep track of when a particular fixed star would rise above the horizon again they'd see it again and then it would climb as that whole picture kind of started to shift and move because it's moving all the time why is that it is because of the earth's trip around the sun and the fact that we are traveling at an angle okay so if you guys can remember you know astronomy 101 from i don't know grade seven eight can't remember when we took it uh we're tilted to the sun that's why we have um, our seasonal shifts okay that's how we came up with our tropical zodiac was due to those seasonal shifts and that's due to the axis that it's tilted towards the sun 
et cetera, et cetera. So that also creates the fixed star movement. And they can be anywhere. And they don't have to just be in the band of the elliptic to be noticed and to have their um, the effects be felt here on Earth. And so they correlate to things. So I, I'm just starting down that road and I'm quite excited because there are interesting nuances that I can add to, let's say, a timing chart or a natal chart. Yeah, or even what I talk about when it comes to uh, Where's the Moon At, my segment that I do every week. Okay, and hopefully I've explained that well. Okay, so what stars are prominent in your chart will depend on, obviously, the date that you were born and the latitude at which you were born. Okay, now... That's about it that I had for my preamble. Then I had a different segment that I was going to, that I wrote about, but that's going to come next week. Okay, so what I am going to do though is outline how I would answer questions when posed to uh, me as an astrologer. And I'm going to walk you down the rabbit hole of my process. And I'm going to use it in reference to sort of three kind of big topics that typically get asked. One is about relationships, one is about career, and another common one is moving. You know, should I buy this house? Should I move? Um, you know, my job is asking me to move, or I've married somebody and I have to move, etc. Or you're just thinking about you wanting to move. Okay, so where do I begin? I begin with the age of the person. One's approach changes depending on where they are in their Saturn cycle. Um, the Saturn will indicate where, you know, which Saturn cycle they're in, the maturity and how much life experience they've had. So prior to the first Saturn return, which is approximately from zero to age 28-29, most folks are in a maturing process. Significant, so for instance, relative to relationships, started prior to the Saturn return, will often go through a significant challenge or reality check at that Saturn return. So do they have a clear idea of what they want, the want list? So if someone hasn't done a significant relationship, but they're, you know, they're, they may not want to say that they found somebody, but that's usually one of the reasons why they might come in. And so my query will be uh, in checking their want list, with the list that, for instance, I covered in, you know, the previous last couple of episodes when I looked at relationship. So I would be looking at, you know, the seventh house, the ruler of the seventh house, where the steersman, the ruler of the chart is, how that impacts relationship, where Venus is, et cetera, et cetera. And how I would pitch them coming up with their list would be different if they're still haven't had their first Saturn return because they are still themselves discovering who they are 
And one of the things that I like to point out to people is you have to interact, you have to bounce off other people, whether that is, um, you know, just having them as friends or maybe going a little bit further. Today's rules are, of course, a lot different. But it, it's only in actually having a relationship that you can really refine, define what your list is, what works, what doesn't work. The other scenario that I often point out is that clarity of the list of what it is you think works for you, what that does, and I think this is actually literal, is it puts out a very specific energetic signal into the universe. So ergo, if you do not have a list, then basically the energy that you are putting out there is kind of a mishmash. And my suspicion is, is that the universe looks at that mishmash, looks around at who you're actually, you know, making, uh, you know, the environs that you are making possible to find a relationship, and they'll just send you the mishmash. Where, if you have a very specific list Okay, and again, I mean, this is, you can get carried away with that, although most people don't, but it is possible. You are putting out a very specific signal, okay? And the universe will respond by matching up something to that signal, okay? And I truly believe that that's the way it works. Okay, so after the first Saturn return, um, I'm assuming, depending on, you know, the query around relationship, that they're very clear or at least reasonably clear on their I want list. Okay, so um, they've probably had a crash and burn possibly over their Saturn return, which is not uncommon. Lots of um, relationships that uh, tried to cementian prior to the Saturn return will often go through a reality check at the Saturn return and the relationship will dissolve. Um, and I see that not necessarily as anyone's fault. To me, that is just that moment of fully coming into yourself and realizing, darn, didn't quite pick it right. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't see that as a foul in any way. Um, because coming off the heels of a Saturn return, you're a lot clearer with what you think you want to know that you want because of your said experience. Okay, so uh, different kettle of fish then with during the, the period of time from the first Saturn return to the second Saturn return. Now this is... Um, you know, there can be, let's say, part way into it, if you have a relationship that crashes and burns, then, you know, your assumption was that, no, I had a list and I thought I'd... Fi so that can be far more devastating than um, relationship crash and burns that happened before the Saturn return, because there is this assumption that one knew what they wanted. And so there's likely going to need to be a very serious review of what they, what the chart is saying about relationship, if there are, from a Hellenistic perspective, if there are challenging um, malefic planets that make up that 
relationship signature, how to actually work with them. And the timing uh, becomes a critical thing in terms of how you're looking. And I'm going to go through the steps that I follow um, to look at timing of possible next relationship. Okay. Now, the third or the period of time after the second Saturn return is this is more by this time the person is pretty darn clear about what they want out of relationship and um, but it's about comfort and possibly security and possible just not wanting to be alone in the third chapter and so again what you look at shifts emphasis and the moon becomes way more important um, and one's ability to you know set the boundaries that are going to work the best uh, in that sort of comfort range yeah so a thumbnail of this might go as follows so with from 0 to 2829, this is that romance period. Um, yes, there could be children. Yes, there could be building a home. But it's more than likely working through the picture of the relationship that the client grew up with. Did they marry mom? Did they marry dad? To try to fix something that went wrong with what they saw as children. Not always the case, but sometimes it can be. Okay, so in the second one, um, true partnership building happens from the start of the, you know, the end of the first Saturn return through that 30-year period of time. Okay, so building a life together and usually with children, that takes center stage. And so, you know, you want... You want to guide the person to reach that kind of potential. Um, and so you'll be able to have like literally an adult conversation about, um, you know, okay, so what went wrong? What was the misstep? Um, and what do you want to be open for? And so to refine that list to, and then to point out when the timing looks the most favorable. Okay, now with the third one, okay, the thumbnail would be comfort, relaxed acceptance of each other. Okay, so the life building is now done um, in the sense of um, where your life is going is something that is very personal after the second Saturn return and needs to be a compliment with whoever you choose to be with at that time whereas in the first or in the middle Saturn cycle that's the building together where it's way more woven and intermingled because you're raising children and all the rest of that okay now how would this look if we were talking about career again the Saturn cycle comes to mind okay but the way I perceive it myself is that from the age of the last quarter square that Saturn makes, which comes 
uh, at approximately 21, 22 years of age, all the way up until the Saturn return. It's in that period of time that if you weren't blessed to be one of these people that just know what they're going to do, and they are out there, you know, the, the child prodigies, the, um, there are some kids that just know right from day one where they want to go and what they want to do. Um, I have no idea if there's a percentage that goes with that. That would be kind of interesting. And maybe somebody in the astrology world has made a study of that. But for a lot of us, it's a big open question once we finish high school. Um, lots of people do, even without a clear track in mind, head to university, and that's still okay. My sense of um, the timing after one graduates from high school to the Saturn return. This is when you can explore your options. Um, and every time you take a new track, you will again narrow down what works and what doesn't work in terms of your engagement, your enjoyment, and the kind of money. Now, of course, the other thing with career is how important is it? So we can actually take pieces from the whole chart. Um, and again, certain areas of the chart will be more or less emphasized depending on that person's natal chart. But I'm just going to run through the list and point out how different areas can impact a career choice in the work that you do. So first house, if it's strong, then how they come off, how strong is the ego, that will show up if the first house is very prominent and will need to fit into a career choice. Now, the second house is very much traditionally considered the house of work or the house of career, actually. And so what are the assets that the person brings to a work environment? Uh, are there talents? Are there specific values? Um, you're going to find that with planets that are in the second house and who is the ruler of the second house is he well um, like is he a malefic a benefic you know what's his condition third house this would speak to dexterity if that's important to communication to how social on a familial level like on a community level this person can be or would want to be fourth house, you would be looking at possibilities of home-based businesses or running the family business might be an option. Fifth house, how creative do they need to be or want to be? And for some, that's not even a, um, comes up on the radar at all because they're taking all that energy and putting it into children, for instance. Okay, with the sixth house, the working environment. Now, this can lit be literal in the sense that they want to work in a service industry, they want to work in a health industry. Um, you know, this could be fire, police, hospitals, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. And it will describe the kind of day-to-day -day look to the job. And uh, again, if it's prominent, they're gonna need to get that right. If it's not prominent, then it might be quite flexible in terms of what, and it may not be a huge consideration to their career choices. 
Seventh house, partnership or client work. And so here we have, um, you know, all the occupations that involve two people. Okay, so, and there's lots of those, you know, a dentist or a counselor or, um, you know, answering phones um, and, and to literal business partnerships. Eighth house, we're looking at shared resources. And so your whole banking industry, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure if insurance falls in here, but it might. Um, things like working the stock exchange, uh, anything to do with, you know, this would also be uh, funeral homes and uh, real estate. And although real estate could also be the seventh house, but the eighth house might be involved in that. So that type of industry. Uh, ninth, education, politics. Um, obviously, you know, this would take it even up to university level. But it's also definitely politics because this is traditionally the house of the king um, and that prominence out there in the world. Tenth house, how much we need to be seen. Does who we are matter and how much does it matter? With um, a strong 10th house, um, I am a fill-in-the-blank career. And for some, that is very critical. For others, not so much. Okay, 11th house, socially relevant. Okay, so this is not about the individual. It's about what the individual can do with or for the collective. Um, and again, that puts a different spin on the type of career choices that a person might make. Finally, with the eleven or with the twelfth, one one would see that oh well, well you know what are you going to do work in a prison? No, it isn't just in confinement. It's also about disappearing, and so this is not the need to stand out. So this can be the postman the firemen, any of those similar to the career choices of the sixth, but there's no need for prominence. It is just a need to be part of. Okay, 12th house, disappear into something and to be part of that collective, not um, at a visible level like the 11th house, but more at an energetic level. Okay, so when it comes to timing, then it's knowing that they have a clear idea and then looking for the triggers that would be part of that signature. So for instance, um, if it's a sixth house thing, you're gonna be wanting to look at what's triggering the ruler of the sixth house, what's triggering the planets that are in the sixth house. So not just the 10th and angles, which is quite common for major shifts in people's lives, but also what makes up, who are the planets that make up the signature that go with career and are any of them being triggered? Okay, so obviously the first Saturn cycle, they're building the list. The second, are they looking for the next jump the next um, step on the ladder or are they just done with what they've been doing and what's another option 
Okay, again, that would involve a list as well, and not that uncommon these days that people don't just stick with one track that they're going on. Okay, they will have multiple tracks. And so looking at out of the list, what's another option that they could work with? Okay, the third chapter after the second um, Saturn return can be a little trickier because I see this as the requirement to pass the baton on and not everybody wants to do that. <laughs> and maybe not everybody has to do that. I'm yeah, but there is this sense of me mentorship once you hit your second Saturn return. And there is the ability to be not of any threat to those who are in their first Saturn cycle. And there's where the, the mentorship can be incredibly rewarding when you're talking, you know, you're past your 60s, you're into your 60s, and now you're talking to people who are 20 to 30. And they're actually willing to listen and hear what you've got to say and to support them and to help them. But it isn't the end. And so retirement isn't what everybody is looking for. And so again, you take that career list and you flesh it out. What are some of the pieces that they haven't done? Is there something that they are definitely wanting to pass on? And how are they going to accomplish that? Okay, so now in the timing, uh, once I get past that Saturn piece, which is, again, that happens right from the get-go. And so uh, it narrows me down very, very quickly. Now, the next place that I look is new for me. And that has to do with the Hellenistic stuff that I am studying. And where they go next is to what's called zodiacal releasing. And these are chapters that are unique to the individual. So the Saturn return, of course, we all, those cycles, we all go through at exactly the same time. But zodiacal releasing, not so much. So there are chapters that can be as short as eight years, and there are chapters that can be as long as 20 to 30 years. And so even though, you know, I'm thinking, okay, they're in this particular Saturn cycle. Oh, what's this? This doesn't make sense why there's this big a shift happening in their life. I look at zodiacal releasing chapters and it's like, oh, okay, I get it. And so it's critical that, you know, one begins to layer what you're looking at. And so that would be the next layer that I would look at. And in those, the zodiacal releasing also offers a flow. And the flow is kind of obvious. It's there will be beginning chapters, there will be peak periods of major activity, and there will be finishing periods. And so obviously, um, on, and there are several levels to zodiacal releasing. And so knowing that cycle, especially on level two, will indicate 
okay, nope, you're not quite finished. You're still in a finishing cycle. And these can last upwards of a few months to a couple of years. Um, and so you want to be looking at their timing relative to getting them starting in a starting period. Um, and whether or not there is a peak period coming up when making a jump to another level in a career might be useful, that type of timing. The other piece that this offers is, are these periods of time, so the start, the active, and the end, which one's tough, which one's doable and tough, which one has major fortunate pieces. So again, you can work with that timing to have greater success for what the client is looking for. Okay, and there are also, you know, sudden shifts that they may need to be aware of that could be coming up on the horizon and they are called loosening the bonds. Now, the next piece, as I'm walking in, will also be from the Hellenistic piece. And it kind of is similar to the Saturn cycles because the next piece follows in a very predictable order. But what changes is what planets are being triggered. Okay, and these are called annual profections, not perfections, but profections. And they start literally with the first year of life. And that's actually zero, right? Because you're not one until you're one. So from the moment you're born until your first birthday, that is your first house. So therefore, when you turn 12, that is also a first house. When you turn 24, that is also a first house. 36, 48, 60, 72, 84. And so what you're looking at with those years, and so obviously when the client comes in, you see what annual perfection year they're in, you will know whether or not certain planets are being active and activated and whether or not they fit with the question that's being asked, okay? So, so some of the other ones, for instance, relationship, the seventh house is when you're seven years old, 19, 31, 43, 55, 67, okay? Tenth house is when you're 10. <laughs> uh, no, not when you're 10. Where am I here now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, pardon me, is when you're six, 18, 30, 42, 54, 66. Uh, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so when the tenth house, for instance, nine, twenty-one, thirty-three, forty-five, and so you need to tie that piece in. And another one, which will I just want to remind myself by saying it here is within that Saturn return period of time, there is a significant opposition that occurs at around 42-43, and this is the Uranus opposition, similar to um, solar returns in that they're significant for people making changes and are quite common. Okay, now the next thing that I will look at, and I'm checking my time here, I'm actually doing pretty good for winging it, yay! 
<laughs> okay, are back to the more modern versions. And this is a combination of solar arc directions and secondary progressions. And I saw them 20 years ago when that was one of the only tools that I had as the natural unfolding of the birth chart. Again, unique to the individual. And I, I likened it to the idea of a seed is planted in the natal chart. It then sprouts, grows, flowers, decays, dies. So that whole unfolding process. The solar arcs were more about timing. The secondary were more about um, pieces coming forward. And so you would notice when a planet changed signs by secondary progressions or when it caught up to another planet uh, in the natal chart, how those two qualities might fuse together at that point in their life, etc. And then the next and last layer that I would put on, okay, so by now you've got quite um, an outline of the period or the question that you've been asked. Okay, and then the last thing that I would look at are the planets in transit, where they are today and how that's impacting. And the timing for the transits, uh, it depends on the kind of question. So for instance, if you're asked to pick a day for someone to get married, then you may look at only a few weeks or a couple of months and the big outer planets may have absolutely no bearing on that. Whereas for instance, the moon, which moves, as you know, very quickly every day, that is going to have a major import. And so we'll need to be um, noticed in what it's doing for the day that you picked. But for most other questions, you do need to start with the outer planets. And uh, their impact uh, begins from a Hellenistic point of view when it enters a particular sign. So for instance, uh, with Pluto, he has been, and I have a happy list here, he has been in Capricorn since 2008 and won't leave until 2023. So immediately when you see a chart, you'll know, oh, okay, so Pluto's making an impact in this area of their life. Neptune has been in Pisces since 2011 and will stay there until 2025. Um, Uranus, who is in Taurus from 2018 to 2025, and of course, we've talked about Saturn already today, it's in, it's bouncing between Aquarius and Capricorn. So that's your first take, your first level that you look at. What houses are being impacted currently, and how does that relate to the question asked? Then you make a list, literally, of the direct contacts to planets. Uh, if, it's, if you're looking for positive things, obviously you're gonna look for sextiles, conjunctions, and trines um, with the outer planets so that they're not messing things up too badly, although the conjunctions can be messy. <laughs> but trines and sextiles can be sometimes a bonus, sometimes not. 
Uh, conjunctions, squares, and oppositions, though, um, they have to be factored in, and they typically will last more than a year, um, especially for ones like Pluto and Neptune, sometimes even Uranus. Uh, Saturn usually fits within the scope of one year. And how I see those are the first hit is always this is what it's about. This is what needs to change, be transformed, is washing away, or is being shocked into a different spot, or is being reality tested. The second hit is where you make your best stab at doing what's being asked. And the third hit, which is usually what most people don't want, um, it is dusting up anything that you thought you could get away with without changing okay now in terms of venus jupiter or and jupiter to some extent i'll look at it if it, i'm looking for something positive uh with mars mercury if it's retrograde again those ones only come in when you've got a narrow window and a narrow timing for a question okay and i'm just realizing i need to move on to where's that planet or where's that moon? Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, as I had said earlier, uh, we have coming up the Cancer Ingress is at 2.43 p.m. today. The Eclipse is tonight at 23.41 here on the West Coast. And it is a new moon in Cancer. This would be enough for one day, but there is more. The sun's ingress also features the moon bracketing it with Mars and Neptune, pulling those together. What society has planted bears fruit every year, and these days systemic racism policing are bearing fruit that should not be carried forward. The fixed star connected to this eclipse is Hamel. It is a star in the constellation of Aries. The ancients saw Hamel as a forceful star of action, which strengthens independence. Will and determination are called in, which can manifest as directed focus or temper and frustration. Also associated with an inability to deal with authority figures. So, not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Sunday. 21st moon in cancer today only makes one aspect and that is to uranus it's a sextile energy to disrupt or shock available around 4 30 p.m on sunday otherwise a nurturing day a gardening day <laughs> monday the 22nd neptune makes its annual pause to station and turn retrograde the degree is 2021 of Pisces. And so I went looking, was there a star associated with that? And there isn't, but there was a midpoint. And it's the midpoint between where the planet Uranus is in the skies right now and where Saturn is. But that tri trio together does not make a good combination. Irritability, inhibitions, tension, meets resignation and abandonment. My prayers go out to those with 2021 20, degrees of mutable signs. This too shall pass. Meanwhile, the Cancer Moon opposes the Pluto-Jupiter combo in Capricorn, triggering the desire to 
Return to normal programming, please. Tuesday the 23rd, our energy lights up with Moon's entrance into Leo at 5.33 a.m. Yay! Uh, Social distancing is swiftly becoming a non-starter. Another great experiment begins. The world of masks instead. The moon's sextile to Venus as Venus stops shows the extent to which our review of social connection has changed. To end the day, the moon squares off with Uranus. The ground can shift, 10.34 p.m. Wednesday the 24th. The only action in the sky today is Venus, and she will station and turn direct at 11.48 p.m., and it is at, and I can't believe I didn't write the degree down, so I will quickly look for what is the degree. So the degree is five degrees of Gemini. Okay, it's just interesting that the Leo moon doesn't make any traditional aspects either that day. So it's all about Venus on Wednesday. Thursday, the 25th, the moon moves into Virgo at 1040 a.m. The to-do list is, the to-do list will not wait. The moon energizes the sun at 633 p.m. to get the important support stuff done first. A square to Venus at 7.15 p.m. We will need to connect with respect to networks to help the cause. Friday the 26th, Moon in Virgo gets things done, lighting up the network even with a retrograde Mercury. The Moon ends the day with an opposition to Neptune, 9.56, weird dreams, I'm sure. Okay, rolling around to my show next week on the 20th. Mars is going to make his ingress into his home turf of Aries. Social descent will shift gears as well as the response to that challenge. Mars will add accelerant. Yikes. And I will talk quite a bit about Mars in Aries next week. Okay. Well, I think I did not too badly <laughs> considering that I had to just sort of do an entire new show okay so I am going to um, sign off and with a shout out to all those folks that listen to CJMP 90.1 FM Powell Rivers Community Radio Station Keep that dial tuned there. And we will see you next week. And thanks for listening. And I have been your host, Maureen Reed. Take care. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.